you know, as we begin the uh, Advent season this morning, I'm going to start a new sermon series as well. You know, when you think about Christmas, it's just about impossible to think about the Christmas season without thinking about the Christmas music. And we all have favorite songs that we love to hear on the radio. We all have favorite carols that we love to sing in our worship services. And with this love of music in mind, I thought what we would do over the next four weeks is to take the four most popular Christmas songs of all time and use those as a springboard to to dive into the Christmas story. And uh, so I sought to do some research. That sounds like a huge task, right? How do you figure out the top four Christmas songs of all time? Well, yes, right, you Google it. And that's what I did. And I found that actually someone else has already done that research for me, which I was very appreciative uh, because who has time to do all that? So anyway, I found a study that was done by Time Magazine back in 2014. And what they did is they looked at all the Christmas songs, those that were about Jesus as well as those who were about other Christmas snow and different things in the Christmas season. And they looked at all of them and they, they tried to determine, okay, which are the most popular ones? And the way they did it was they, they would look at how many times this song has been recorded over in the modern era. Because the idea is that, well, if somebody, if all these different artists record this song, then it must be a popular song. So that's the basis of the research, and I'm going to use their findings. And so I'm going to start with the, the fourth most popular Christmas song and then work my way to the number one spot. So the fourth most popular Christmas song, and you already said in your bulletin, and RJ has already played it for you, so you have a little teaser there, a little hint, is What Child Is This? Now one thing you'll notice, uh, with all these well-known Christmas carols, Christmas hymns, is that there are two parts to these songs that make them memorable. The first part is the music, or the tune. And the second part is the words, or the lyrics. And so, the music for uh, What Child Is This uh, predates the lyrics by centuries. Uh, The melody is said to be an ancient English folk song uh, that has been used with many other lyrics throughout the centuries, throughout the years. And uh, the tune was first published in 1652. So it's quite old. And the tune eventually came to be known as by the title Green Sleeves. Maybe some of you have heard this title before. And if you look in your hymnal at the bottom, it'll say uh, that the music is, is Green Sleeves. The other part of a well-known hymn uh, are, the, are the words that, that make it memorable. And so the words of the carol, What Child Is This, were penned by a man named William Chatterton Dix. And William was born in Somerset, England in 1837. And he was an insurance man by trade, but he was a poet at heart. And he wrote about about a variety of subjects in his poetry uh, until he was stricken with an illness that left him bedridden for many months. And during this time his shift really focused to the Lord. And he began to read his Bible. He began to read other works by different theologians. And it was during this time, during this bedridden illness, that he reaffirmed his faith as Christ as Savior. And so as he emerged from this illness, he began to pen worship poems, worship lyrics or hymns. And one of the hymns he wrote during this time later became known as 
what child is this? And so when the words of William's song were united with the tune Green Sleeves, this instant classic was born. And what I love about this carol is that the author poses a question. And then he takes us through the, the song and takes us through this journey to seek to answer this question. He takes us from the cradle, the birth of Christ, to the cross, to the crown, and then back to the cradle again. And so this journey is meant to help us to answer that all-important question, what child is this? And he answers it in the song. And so I want to walk through this, and uh, let's see the, the truths that he mentions here. He begins his first stanza by taking us back to the cradle when Jesus was born. And he writes, What child is this laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? So he's clearly referencing Luke chapter 2, where Luke reports what happened at the birth of Jesus. Now think about this. When you were born, who gathered for that occasion? Well, your family, perhaps, maybe some friends, uh, but that was probably about it. I mean, you know, there's not to say anything bad about you or me. I mean, but that's who, you know, really was interested in you being born. Now, others may gather a bigger crowd. I'm thinking of like Princess William and his wife, Kate. I mean, when they had the, the royal babies, I mean, people are flocking to try to catch a glimpse of these little babies. So that was a special occasion for their country and whatnot. However... Even then, you didn't see angels come on the scene and announce the birth of the, the babies, right? And, and the point is, Luke is telling us, you know, other people may gather a crowd, but the birth of Christ was unique. The, this, this, this baby is a unique child. One where not only shepherds come, but angels as well. Uh, which, which points us to the uniqueness of this, this Christ child. Listen to Luke's account in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So there was something unique about the birth of this child. You know, the sky was transformed into a stage. And the air became a sound system for this angelic announcement about the birth of Jesus. 
And as the people heard this announcement, first the shepherds and then others, they began to ask the question that we still seek to answer today. And that is, what child is this? Who is this Jesus? And that is a question that we all must answer. William answers the question and calls for a response from the reader at the end of the first stanza when he writes, This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And so William is telling us that we should recognize that this child that was born in Bethlehem is Christ the King. He's He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the promised one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he says the only proper response is to bring him laud. And you think, well, what is that? It's simply we should bring him praise. We should praise him for who he is. And we should praise Jesus for what he's accomplished for me and for you. Which William talks about in the next stanza of his carol. The second stanza moves from the cradle to the cross. And he writes, Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? You know, he was born in a manger and he was born exactly where, where God wanted him to be born, in a manger. Listen to Luke's account in chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Luke writes, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. But Jesus you know, was not only born in a humble manger, but William goes on to say, Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. The silent word refers to Jesus and draws from John chapter one, where the apostle tells us that the word of God became flesh. The son of God became flesh and has dwelt among us. And William is telling us that this child is both human and divine. He has come to plead For sinners, he's come to plead for me and for you. And he has done so uh, through his life, his death and his resurrection. And even for the believers, he has done so even now through his intercession uh, for us before the father. And so this this pleading, this mediation uh, was made possible through the cross. Now, in our hymnal, and we're going to sing this song in a little while. But in our hymnal, you have the the first stanza, you have the second stanza, and third stanza, but then you have this refrain, you know, this, this is Christ the King. But in the original uh, wording of this hymn, uh, there was no refrain. And a refrain is just a repeated chorus that you may sing after each stanza. But rather, each stanza had its own separate ending. And so when we get to the second stanza... We see William taking us to the cross. And this is what he says in his original song. Nails spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. 
And so what we see here is Jesus was born. He lived the life we could not live in perfect obedience to the Father. And then He died on the cross for our sin. And then He was raised from the dead so that we may have life. So listen to the, the contrast here. Jesus was born to bear the cross for us so that we may have life. And then William brings praise to the sinner's lips again as we sing this hymn, Hail, Hail, the Word Made Flesh, the Babe, the Son of Mary. So as we move from the first stanza to the second, now to the third, William takes us from the cradle to the cross and then to the crown. He writes in the third stanza, So bring him incense, incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant, comma, king. I was singing that. I was thinking, peasant king. But that's not what he was saying. (laughs) The comma. Come peasant, king, to own him. He's talking about two different people there. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. So William draws from Matthew's account of the wise men coming to Jesus bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen to Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then down in verse 9, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen where it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so what we see here is even in the cradle... Jesus' crown was being recognized. The wise men, they recognized the uniqueness of this child and approached them as they would a king. And so the carol writer reminds us in the line, Come peasant, king, to own him, that no matter what your standing in life may be, whether you are a peasant, a shepherd, you may be thinking from the account, or a king, a wise man, or a woman, We all should come to Jesus and recognize that He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the ultimate authority. And then William goes on to say, He's the King of kings. Salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone Him. And like I mentioned, this King of kings, Jesus, has brought salvation for us through through His death on the cross. And because of this salvation that He brings... We should not just bring you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which we took up an offering this morning, where you may put money in a plate, but that money is being used for something greater than just the actual money. It's using to spread the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And so we should not only bring outward gifts, like an offering, for example, but the writer tells us that we should enthrone Him in our hearts as the king. You know, when you enthrone someone, they take power. I mean, they, they become in control, right? And so, when, when you look at your life, who is on the throne? I mean, who is 
Who is calling the shots? I mean, who, who are you living for? That's who's on the throne. And the hymn writer saying, because of who Jesus is, we should enthrone Him in our hearts. We should seek to live for Him. He should be calling the shots. We should be seeking to do His will while we are here in this life. And so if you want life, this life, that the salvation, this life that Jesus brings, you have to enthrone Him in your hearts. And so William takes us from the cradle, he takes us to the cross, he takes us to the crown, and then he brings us all the way back to the cradle again in this third stanza in the last section. He writes, Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. And so at the end of the carol, we're left with the question that we have to wrestle with. And that is, what child is this? And each of us has to deal with this. What, how will we answer that question? Have we answered that question in our own hearts? I mean, have we recognized the uniqueness of Jesus? Have we recognized the fact that it's through His life, His death, His resurrection, that God forgives sin and gives us new life? I mean, can we say... This, this is Christ the King. I mean, you only say that if He's on the throne. On the throne of your heart. Can you say that? Does your life bear that out? Is Christ really the King? Have you enthroned Him in your heart by faith? If you have not, then I want to encourage you to do that today. And you may say, well, Ron, how do you do that? How do you enthrone Christ in your heart? Well, one of the ways you can do that is to express that desire to God in prayer. To tell God that you want to enthrone Christ in your life. That you want that salvation that He gives. That you want forgiveness. That you want eternal life. And the way to do that is to pray and you tell God. And admit to Him that I am a sinner. And I am in need of your forgiveness. You know, Tell God that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He died on the cross for your sins. And that you want to make Him your Lord and Savior. You want Him to come into your life and be the King of Kings. I mean, that's how you enthrone Christ as King. You submit to the Lord. You ask Christ to come into your life. And the Bible tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They will be a partaker of this grace, this, this eternal life that God Gives, And so if that's a decision that you would like to make, I want to encourage you to make that today. Enthrone Christ in your hearts today. Now many of you, I know you, and you have enthroned Christ in your heart. You're seeking to live for Him. And that's exactly what I want to challenge you to do. If you have enthroned Christ in your heart, I want to encourage you to continue to bring those gifts of praise. Not just gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But bring him, continually bring him your life, those gifts of praise and obedience. Continue to yield to Christ and, and seek God's will in your life. And one of the ways we do that, and this is why I think these carols are so important, one of the ways we do that is by remembering the gospel. Remembering who Jesus is, remembering what God has done for us through Christ. And one of the best ways to remember this is through song. 
Because we all know this. When you put a message to music, it just sticks in your mind. Some messages that stick in our mind maybe, maybe aren't that good, but, but they stick in there. And the same thing's true of here. So as we rehearse the gospel in our minds, especially as we sing the gospel through these different uh, carols and hymns that we sing, not only during Advent, but throughout the year, we're rehearsing the gospel. We're thinking on who Christ is. We're thinking about what He's done for us. And this helps us to continually to yield to Christ in our lives as we seek to live for Him day in, day out. And so... One of the ways we remember, one of the best ways to remember the gospel is by singing these songs of faith. Um, And so to help you remember the good news, reflect on the good news, and bring praise to God. Even this morning, we're going to sing this. We're going to sing this hymn. And as we sing, may our hearts enthrone Christ as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let us stand and worship the Lord together.